I don't know about you, but in my car, I did not have a GPS. But I have one on my iPhone. And this version talks to me. In fact, it's a lot like if you bought a regular GPS, a TomTom or something like that. I remember when I was over in Europe and I was the pastor in Frankfurt, Germany, they gave me a TomTom and said, you're going to need this in Frankfurt. It's, the streets are not quite laid out like they are in the States. And uh, frankly, you won't know the names as well. And, and uh, here is a TomTom. -tom. It's in English. And I began to use it. And it was a British-accented lady who talked in terms of meters. And uh, it was fine because everything over there is in meters. I remember my wife came over after about a month of me being there by myself, and uh, I said, I have a confession to make. I've been spending time with a, another woman, and I do everything she says. My wife says, I've got to meet her. <laughs> it was the GPS system and the lady on that. Sometimes I think the Word of God for us is like a GPS system. It narrows the gap between what I believe in and how I act. There's a, 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 a situation where the, the Word of God says that as I come to the Word, I come to the truth. 100% of all there is to know about everything, the total truth in Jesus. And I'm somewhat back here. And I want to narrow the gap between me and the, the truth that should be in me. And then I want to narrow the gap between what I know to be true and how I actually act. And it is the Word of God that is designed for that. Psalm 119 is our, our text for today. And some of you already are saying, wait a minute, there's 150 verses in that psalm. Don't worry, you'll be here till 5.30. Don't worry, that's fine. But I wanted to just let you know that as we move into this new year, we truly are people of hope. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says, because we have this ministry, we do not lose hope. We are full of hope. And hope is for the, the things, the ideas, and the concepts of God. But I think as evangelicals, we spend way too much time being against things. I had a gentleman last night who told me at the dinner table, he said, our five children rarely visit our home. Being a curious person, I just said, why is that? Well, we've always tried to be transparent, but we have boundaries. Oh, tell me about the boundaries. Well, well, we just believe we should live this way and we should be against the things of Satan. Hmm. Now, I have no argument with that. And it isn't so much of whether you're not against something, it's, it's how it's portrayed. But the kids came to believe that even though mom and dad were transparent, that their whole life, the moment they walk in the house, their life is in a judgment by the parents because they're against everything. At least the kids would say that. I remember when I first started out in the ministry, I was so hopeful. And I don't know what happened, but somewhere about midterm, I got really pretty cynical. I did. 
I think that kind of comes with age. We're pretty, our eyes are filled with the kind of carpe diem that we see when we're in our 20s. And by the time we get to our 40s, we become a little bit skeptical, if not cynical. And then we begin to realize that our kids did not pick up the boundaries. Our kids picked up some system of legalism. And in some cases, they don't even want to come back to the house. I, I don't know about you, but this year I'm going to try to be more for stuff than against stuff. In 2012, I'm going to let it go. You know, when God humbles someone, He never devours them. When God exalts someone, He never inflates them. And maybe this year you've had to let some things go. The loss of a job, the loss of a relationship. Maybe God has spent some time humbling you, but He doesn't devour you. He doesn't make you feel like the scum of the earth. That might be another person might do that to you, but not God. And if He exalts you, He doesn't inflate you to the point where your ego is so high you can't stand it. I was looking at a study not too long ago between, get this, between lotto winners... If you could leave that slide off, Tom, for a little bit, just keep it blank. If I was looking between lotto winners and paraplegics, people who became paraplegics in the same year. Did you know a study was done on that to compare that, those people? You know what happened? Within three years, they came around the corner like Yogi Berry used to say, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. They did. One won the lotto, another person became a paraplegic. And somewhere about three or four years later, they met at a set hope point, And the people who had won the lotto were no longer enamored by the money and came back to reality about the same place as before they won it. The paraplegic, who was not a paraplegic back here, but now is four years, three years later, is at the same set point of hope he was before he was a paraplegic. Isn't that interesting? What does that tell you about humanity? It tells me this, that God has put eternity in our hearts, whether we're Christians or not. And if we don't believe in God, we make up something to believe in. We want to hope as people. And that means that the God's Word has to be very, very important. The Word of God narrows the gap between faith and trust. The Word of God narrows the gap between getting stuck and moving on. The Word of God narrows the gap between being against or being for. A survey by the Barna Group asked 1,008 people in the United States, adults, to list the books they considered holy. The number, the, the fifth book was the Torah, 2% of the people. Next was the Book of Mormon at 3%. Then there was the Koran at 44%. But you know what the top book was? It was the Bible, 84%. In a 2008 Harris Initiative online poll, 2,513 U.S. adults revealed America's top five favorite books. The fifth best book was The Stand. Fourth, Harry Potter. Three, Lord of the Rings. You know what number two was? Gone with the Wind. And the number one book in 2008 was the Bible. Psalm 119 suggests 
four ways the Bible is to be important to us. Number one, it's supposed to be more important than even food. In verse 103, it says, How sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. You know, I I was going to... Well, I did get a picture of honey up here to show you. And I was actually going to pass out some candy this morning. Uh, 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 You remember that old candy, little bit of honey? (laughs) I just thought, you know, I wanted you to go away with a good taste in your mouth this morning. The idea here is in Judges chapter 14, verses 8 through 9, it says, Samson turned off the path to look at the carcass of the lion. And he found that a swarm of bees had made some honey in the carcass. He scooped some of the honey into his hands and ate it along the way. He also gave some to his father and mother, and they ate it. But he didn't tell them he had taken the honey from the carcass of the lion. Come on, Samson, not good to lie to your mom. (laughs) But here's the story. Satan always offers us something sweet inside something that is dead. Let me say that again. It is usually Satan's M.O. to offer you something sweet in something that is already dead. Because in the end, it'll kill you, and it did for Samson. The Word of God should be sweeter to us than honey. It should be more important to us than food. Anybody like to eat here? I do. Job 23.12 says, I have not departed from His commands, but have treasured His words more than daily food. In Jeremiah 15.16 it says, When I discovered your words, I devoured them. They are my joy and my heart's delight. Wow, our version might look at this. I didn't devour them, but you know, I, I did look it over. I did peruse through the verse. The Bible says, that the importance of God's Word should be more important to us than food. And when he said, I saw your Word, I wanted to devour it. I hope you enjoy the Word of God more than just on Sunday morning. Matthew 4, 4 says, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I hope your diet is just not this sermon on Sunday morning. I hope you've learned to be a self-feeder. C.S. Lewis says, A man can't always defend, be defending the truth. There must be time to feed on it. That's true for you. I, I need to do that as a pastor. You know, I I need to get ready for the sermon, sure. But I I need to separate time of study from time of reflection just on the Word. Did you know that bad preaching is always a result of a non-praying congregation? (laughs) See, it's your fault. (laughs) Abraham Lincoln said, This great book is the best gift God has given to man. But for it, but for it we could not know right from wrong. And then we come back to Psalm 103. 119, 103. How sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. There's a second thing that should be more important. It should be more important than sleep. He said, I reflect at night on who you are, Lord. Therefore, I obey your instructions. Verse 62, I rise at midnight to thank you for your just regulations. I guess that's why people want it both ways. That's why they sleep in church. (laughs) 
That's when I was at uh, Denver, I, I uh, got the definition of preaching from Haddon Robinson. He said, it's the ability to speak in someone else's sleep. Well, maybe that's true. David Livingston said, all that I am I owe to Jesus Christ, revealed to me in his divine book. Psalm 119, 147, it says, I rise early before the sun is up. I cry out for help and put my hope in your words. There it is, hope. It is narrowing that gap between what is the total truth as I come to the total truth and where I am in relationship to that truth. I want to narrow that gap. I want to come to the point where I can embrace the totality of all that truth. Now, may that may never happen in this life. But the gap that I can narrow is from what I do know to how I act. And therein is the hope. In Psalm 164, it says, I praise you seven times a day because all your regulations are just. And of course, we know in the Hebrew literature that the word seven is the time of perfection. So he says, I praise you until I get it right. <laughs> because all your regulations are just. Scott Haffeman, who's at the University of St. Andrews and was a fellow student at Fuller Theological Seminary, says every command of God is built upon a promise from God. Every divine call to action, obedience, is at the same time a divine summons to trust in God's promises, which, of course, is faith. It is a powerful thing to think that the Word of God is more important than sleep, and yet, and yet I think sometimes we do choose that, don't we? We choose the food, or we, or we choose the sleep. Now, I know that there are addictions in this world. There's alcohol, there's drugs, there's sex, there's the whole thing around pornography, there's gambling, you, you name it. You can make an addiction of anything. But here's the issue about an addiction. Is that God says He wants you to choose you rather than the addiction. You know, when we fast and pray, the whole idea of fasting is that when we feel the hunger pains, it should drive us to pray rather than eat. The hunger pains drive us to pray. And, 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 and that's what the fast is for. But if we're just normally not fasting and we're on a, we're on a controlled eating plan and we're going to quit the snacks and we're going to eat three times a day or whatever our plan is, and then we, 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 we want to break that plan. And what we do is we rather choose the food over God. And the writer of the Psalms in 119 says, no, you, you've, you've got it bass backwards. You should be choosing God over the food. You should be choosing God over the sleep. I know you want to go and get the, the Ben and Jerry's Chunky Monkey. And you want to get the comfort stuff. But God's in heaven saying, oh, that I could be your comfort today rather than Chunky Monkey. Oh, that I could be your comfort rather than a nap.
William Butler Yeats said, education is not the filling of a pail, but the lightning of a fire. Oh, that our education about God would be the same way. It's like a lighthouse to us. Have you ever seen a lighthouse? You're coming in at night. There's the, there's the, the beacon shining. But the, but the navigator's not looking at that. He's looking at a map. He's seeing a chart where all, the, where all the rocks are and the reefs are. And then he's got a few things to guide him as he goes through. These are kind of kind of like, like little pylons that are along the way that keep you in the harbor. And on a particularly windy day, a pylon might look like this. And so what he has to do is he has to try to find three points. Three things, three dots that kind of get you from where he is to that. And then he draws a line through that. And he's got kind of a, a straight arrow approach. And the Word of God is like that. It's like the GPS. It's like the charts. It keeps you from the rocks and the coral reefs and keeps you as you start moving towards the harbor of home. But a third thing that the Word of God should be, not only food and sleep, but it should be more important to you than money. In verse 14 it says, I have rejoiced in your laws as much as in riches. Verse 72, your instructions are more valuable to me than millions in gold and silver. And my comment to that is, really? Verse 127, truly I love your commands more than gold, even the finest gold. And there I went, really, really? 162 says, I rejoice in your word like one who discovers a great treasure. Wow. No wonder the chorus was written. The Word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. No wonder Amy Grant took that scripture and wrote a chorus on it. How's that going for you? In Joshua 7, 1, it says, But Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. A man named Achan had stolen some of these dedicated things, so the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. Because they put up stuff, money, mammon. More important, they chose the mammon instead of God. In 1 Samuel 15, verse 19, it says, Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? Listen to what Saul says. But I did obey the Lord. A little defensive spirit there, don't you think? I carried out the mission He gave me. I brought back, back King Agag, but I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, goats, cattle, and plunder to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. But Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to His voice? I know that there's a lot of us, including myself, who love to do something for God. We're great doers. We love to do. And God says, I don't want your doing as much as I just want your heart. And I want my voice to be the thing that you hear. And I know the world is noisy. I know that 
there are so many voices that are calling for your attention. And above the din of all of that, of what the world has, I want you to hear my voice clearly and succinctly over all that other stuff. And when I see my sheep begin to know my voice and treasure that as the, the gold of their life, the treasure of their life, oh, that pleases me. And in verse 44, or I should say, in following that, he says, Listen, says Samuel, obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than the offering, the offering the fat of rams. Did you know that Martin Luther, by the end of his life, wrote 60,000 pages? It's a lot of pages. <laughs> Yet he hoped that all my books would disappear and the Holy Scriptures alone be read. Take a peek at this FedEx commercial for a minute. Hi. Hi. I was marooned on an island for five years with this package. And I swore that I would deliver it to you because I work for FedEx. That's very admirable. Thank you. Hey, well, by the way, what's in the package? Huh, nothing really. Just a satellite phone, GPS locator, fishing rod, water purifier, and some seeds. Just silly stuff. Thank you again. You keep up the good work. Is that you? <laughs> Feel like you've been marooned on an island for a while? Where would we be without the Word of God? Where would we be? These are the words of life. This directs our path. This answers the tough questions of life. But I'm afraid that we've sealed it up. And it's been laying on a coffee table in our home and never picked up, never used. It might as well have been in a FedEx box. The idea is to open this up and allow it to be read and to, to, to touch our hearts in everything. A final and fourth thing that I want to just mention as we close this morning, the Bible the Word of God should be more important to us than even our friends. Now, in a church like Dillon, where one of your core values is relationships, I may be skating a little bit on thin ice this morning. But the Word of God says this. As highly as we praise and as highly as we value our relationships, the Word of God should be even higher. In verse 29 or 23, in 119, it says, Even princes sit and speak against me, but I will meditate on your decrees. In verse 63, it says, I am a friend to anyone who fears you, anyone who obeys your commandments. In verse, in verse 51, The proud hold me in utter contempt, but I do not turn away from your instructions. 
Wow. Do you have a friend that if you explained some of your actions and what you wanted to do, would that cause you to disobey God? Just so you could please that relationship? Haddon Robinson, who was my professor at Denver, said, In every generation, the Bible will challenge the values of the age and its definition of success. Nothing could be truer as I talk to my own two adult children today. And as they're beginning to see, as the Bible's beginning to weigh that generation's success, my son said, I'm afraid that what I grew up thinking and what I was taught in college is now really lacking in comparison to the Word of God. In verse 95, it says, Though the wicked hide along the way to kill me, I will quietly keep my mind on your laws. Billy Graham said, Don't be afraid to invest in the best Bible you can afford, for that is what you are making an investment. Find out for yourself why it answers every human need, why it supplies the faith and strength that keeps humanity marching forward. You know, I I love an old program that's on national public radio. It's called Prairie Home Companion. And Garrison Keillor, I think, is one of the finest storytellers in the world. He's got a little bit every week on the letters from Lake Wobegon. It's a fictional kind of town that's somewhere in Iowa, I guess. And it, there's nobody that's in that whole town except Lutherans. <laughs> and he, he has the news from home. And there's something about that as he packs out theaters everywhere in the United States, even in the sophisticated towns of New York, Chicago, and L.A. They're packed. And when the letters are read from Lake Wobegon, you can hear a pin drop in those theaters. Everybody wants the news from home. Did you know that St. Augustine wrote these words? The Holy Scriptures are our letters from home. Every day you can get the news from home. Jesus said to Peter, Are you going to leave me too? And the answer from the disciples was what? Who else should we go to? But we do, don't we? We go to Cosmopolitan, we go to Oprah. We go to Red Book. We go to the latest thing on the magazine rack. And yet God says, more than food, more than sleep, more than riches, and more than friends. That's how valuable this Word of God is. There are many here this morning whose gaps are pretty wide between what they know in truth and how they act. And the Bible can narrow that. And there are those gaps that can be narrowed, not only in faith, but in hope and in love. The Apostle Paul had thorn in his flesh. Galileo became blind. Beethoven was deaf, but they all pursued. Even Renoir His hands hurt so bad that he could hardly paint. But you know what Renoir said? He said, the pain is for the moment. 
But the beauty lasts forever. Ah, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. The pain for the moment, but the beauty forever. Narrowing the gap, the importance of God's Word is so important today. I don't know how you and I will even survive 2013 in any kind of hopeful, joyous way without the Word of God. In fact, I'm willing to make a bet that without the Word of God, you'll become people who are against everything. But if you read the Word of God and it becomes part of your soul training, I believe I can make another bet that you'll be people of hope. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for Your grace. Thank You for Your sufficiency in all things. May You have the praise and the glory this morning. And may You be the one to whom we seek. More than food or sleep or riches or even friends. Higher than anything else. That Your Word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.